Romans 8, 28 says this. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Do you love God? What does your life look like? Do you love God? Is it represented by a life which shows it? By a life which has all things working together for good? Do you love God? But for whose good? Are you working for your purposes or your own? Do you love God? Sam Albury, an apologist and worker for Rabbi Zacharias, says this. It's important to see that Paul says all things work together for good. Not all things are good. Becoming a Christian does not mean that we are now immune from awful things happening to us. We must focus on God's good ultimate purpose for us and for his will. That's the other thing about that verse. It doesn't say all things work together for our good. It says all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Do we love God? Does our life show it? Are our lives glorifying to him? Are our lives characterized by lives which are submitting to his will and doing his will in everyday life? Today, we're starting a new sermon and we'll be back into our Galatians series and a regular routine here next week. But it's about to be a brand new year, and is it the same old you? We're going to be reading from Ephesians 4, 17 to 24 today, and we're also going to be looking to Matthew chapter 13. You're welcome to start there. But we are going to be in a new year. So with that new year, a new day, a new date, a new year on there, it does give us a great opportunity to just evaluate our lives, to look to the new year you, and to see... What do you need to change? What do you not need to change? What do you need to accept? What do you need to redeem? What are things that need left in the past so that you can move on to the future? Does your life truly look like one that loves God? One which is focused on his purpose, his will? Or is it a bit too focused on yourself? Or a bit too focused on what others think? Are there things you want to change? Are there things that maybe you need to change? Because here's some good news for you. It's never too late to change. That's the amazing thing about the gospel that God gives us. Is God accepts us. God loves us. And he accepts us how we are. Despite all of our problems, he gives us this chance. But here's the thing. That doesn't mean we stay how we are. The moment we accept Christ as our Savior, we should be changing. We should have a renewal of our minds, and we should be a new creation. We're going to get into that more in a moment. But it's never too late to look upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. There's a wonderful song, a hymn wrote in 1922 by Helen Lemmel, and many of you should know this song. The lyrics go like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. As we go into a new year and a new year you, what does your life look like? Does it look like one which is turning your eyes upon Jesus? Are you looking to him for how to live each and every single day? I think we'd be lying to ourselves if we think that we don't need to change in some way. Everybody knows that 
there's some way they need change. In fact, that's why you have so many New Year's Eve parties on Monday night. And that's why you have so many people make New Year's resolutions each year because you live this whole year wanting to change. And then we, we think, oh, great, the New Year is coming and we have a new opportunity to do what we didn't do last year. People know there's things they need to change, but today we're not talking about changing with our weight or our diet. We're not talking about having better relationships with our, with our spouse or our friends or other people. We're not talking about getting a better job or finally getting that raise. We're talking about our spiritual lives and our relationship with God. It's a brand new year, but is it the same old you? There's always ways that we can be, re we can be connecting with God on a deeper level. I read a, a, just a quote this morning about the Bible and the Word of God, and no matter how many times you read the Word of God, there's people in this, in this very room that know the Word of God a lot better than I do. You've been studying it your entire lives. You're, you're older than me, and you might know more than me, and I bet you can, you can vouch for this. No matter how many times you read it, you learn more. It impacts your life differently. There's always different ways, and the reason why is because the Word of God is alive. The Word of God is alive, and it gets inside of us, and it changes us. But are we allowing it to change us? There's always ways we can better this relationship with God. Nothing in your life will be as it should be until God is at the center of everything. You see, God needs to be number one. We need to be second. We're never number one. I think of sports teams. I think of football and baseball and hockey, whatever, and and I think of people who just win, and they think, I'm number one. And no, you're never number one. God is number one. You're a second. We need to get our priorities straight. We need to talk about a new year you. Where are your priorities going to lay? Not in July. But before we get there, I want to read the rest of the lyrics to that famous song. Because I think it helps us with each day as we turn our eyes upon Jesus. It says, O souls, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? Do you ever feel like that? Maybe every day you struggle with that. You, you feel weary, you feel troubled, you feel like you're in the darkness. Well, it says there's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Isn't that amazing? The more we look to Christ, the more we, we realize that all these things are little things. They don't matter when we look at the eternity that God has prepared for us. When we look at the God who we serve, the God who we love, and the God who loves us. It goes on to say, through death into life everlasting, he passed, and we follow him there. Over us sin no more has dominion, for more than conquerors we are. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. We need to make God number one. We need to be more than conquerors. But that only happens with God being number one. That only happens by realizing that's not our will that needs to be done upon this earth. It's God's will that needs to be done upon this earth. That song is based off hymn, uh, Hebrews 12.2, which tells us this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, 
despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. It's because of him that we can have the faith that we have. It's because of him that you have the opportunity to have faith. So let's look to Jesus together. Let's look to Jesus as we look to this new year you that you can have. And let's live it. Let's live it to the fullest. As we realize this, let me read to you from Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord. Ephesians 4, 17. That you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because their ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. May the old life be gone and the new life be here to stay. As we read that scripture, there's two things we need to see. One, we see the pagan life. We see the life of a non-believer. And two, we see the life of a new believer in Christ and how we are new life. We're a new creation. And then we have one more thing which kind of puts those two things together. Don't live like the non-believer. Don't live like the non-believer. How many non-believers in your life do you know? A lot. How do we live? Are we living more like them or more like Christ? So I'm here to tell you we need to live more like Jesus. The scripture here will go on to say many things about how we should live more like Christ, about how we should live like a new creation, a new year you. To put the old life behind you, we need to strip away the old life. It's like putting on new clothes each morning. We need to strip away the old clothes and put on a new outfit, new clothes which glorify him, new clothes which look more like him. And just like putting on new clothes each morning, Kids, I hope you're putting on fresh, clean clothes every day, and your parents do too. We need to remember to do this every day. Every day we need to look to what clothes are we putting on. You know, I hate hearing, I hate hearing when people in the world, I hear it all the time, they say, well, look at that Christian. They're no different than us, they just think they're better than us. But we do have something different than us. We're not of this world. How are we showing it to them? Romans 13, 12 and 14 says this, Let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're to read on, we have some obvious instruction for how to change, how to drastically put on a new set of clothes. Here it is. We're told to replace lying with truth-telling. Replace unrighteous anger with righteous anger. There is a difference. Replace stealing with working and giving. Replace corrupt talk with edifying talk that helps others and builds them up. And replace bitterness and rage with kindness and forgiveness. 
I'm saying these kind of fast. I know I didn't put a lot on the screen for you today. If you need my notes, email me, and I'll get them to you. But Colossians 3, 8 to 10 helps summarize this well. Colossians 3, 8 to 10 says this. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. These are not things you do once, but something you must be purposed to do each day. Because it's so tempting, it's so easy to mimic the world, to allow Satan to get in the way and take our eyes off of Jesus. But it's not honoring to God to be filled with anger, malice, wrath, slander, or obscene talk. That doesn't help God, it doesn't help us, it doesn't help our neighbor that we're supposed to love as ourselves. And it's funny how even non-Christians know that golden rule of treat others as you would like to be treated. It's instilled within us. These are all great goals to have in 2019 and beyond, but I want to go a bit further because today we need to focus deeper on what really matters. And what really matters for the year 2019 is your salvation, your relationship with Jesus. Do you love God? What does your life look like? Do you love God? Are you glorifying Him? Do you love God? Are you living a life which is characterized by his will and not our own? For a new year, you must do this. And please feel free to open to Matthew chapter 13, 1 through 9. But in new year, I want to give you a few more steps before I read that. One, reflect upon the last year. Reflect upon the past year. These aren't anything grand. It's nothing that you can't think of on your own, but it's a great reminder for you. Reflect upon the past year, but don't reflect so much upon it that it prevents you from moving forward into the future that God has for you. It is important to not dwell on the past, but it's also important to know the past. Number two, connect your wants to the wise. Make sure they line up with God. Make sure your wants line up with God. Write out your future goals, pray through them, and think through them. And then apply them to God's word and say, is this honoring to God or is this only honoring to me? Number three, break it down. Make a plan to make sure that your goals are not just dreams. Really break it down and make it become reality. Make a plan. Number four is make it happen. Follow through. I know all these seem pretty simple. It seems pretty much common sense, but listen to this statistic. It said that most people give up on their resolutions after 21 days. It's just newest statistic I found in an article this week. 21 days. Maybe you can, maybe you can um, apply that to your own life. What resolution did you make last year? Do you even remember it? I don't. Probably because I forgot about it 21 days in. How are you going to make it happen this year? Stay focused on God. Find an accountability partner to help you Stay, um, stay committed to your goal. Pastor Mark Driscoll has a great principle that I want to summarize for you as well. I put it in my own words, but I just love this principle. Not saying anything about this pastor. We're not to love anything more than God, but I do love this principle. As we move into a new year, what are the things that need to be received? What are things that need to be redeemed? 
What are things that need to be rejected? What are things that need to be accepted? As we look to the new year you that God wants you to pursue. I think this is a good filter to apply to your life. As you look to the new year, what are things that you need to receive? What are things that may be needing to be redeemed? It's not bad, but it does need redeemed. It's not what it should be. What are things in your life that need rejected? And what are some things in your life that maybe you've been rejecting, but you need to accept? Everything or at least something can be applied to this. Does your life glorify God? Do you love God? Because it should. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or whether you drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Matthew 13.1-9, I want to read to you, and we're going to focus on this just for the last bit of the sermon. I think it gives us some principles to look to, to our everyday life and to the life for the next year. What does our life look like, our life in Christ? Matthew 13, 1-9 says this. Jesus says, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depths of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withdrew away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and thorns grew up and choked them out. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. They're fruitful. They're living to the fullest because they were in that clean soil. As we look to this parable, I think, again, we can look to our everyday life. And let's talk about this for a little bit. Are you living... Or when, it, when we're talking about your life in God, your life with Christ, your salvation, is it like the one which is sowing upon the path and being eaten by the birds? Is it like the one that's sowing upon the rocky ground? Is it one that's stuck in the thorny, weedy bed of soil? Or is it one that's in the clean, good soil? Where do you place your trust? Who do you put your faith in? The world, man, or God? We need to run to God, both in good times and bad. Run to him and not away from him. This is where you're going to fill, find all that you need. It starts with life, but it's also what replenishes us in our life with strength, comfort, and more. With wisdom. Where are we planted? Think about your life for the next year. Where are you planting your seed? You see, the first example of the parable of the sower is talking about a seed that is spread on the path. This talks about a person that might hear the gospel, they might hear of Jesus, but their heart might be hardened to the message. They're not really open to receiving the message. They may hear the good news, but they don't let the good news in. And because of this, Satan snatches it away from them before their heart truly opens. Satan's always on the lookout to try and snatch you away. That's why we need to stay focused on him. The second example is the stone or the rock. And this one can be deceiving because we're told the seed can grow up fast. Because of the rocky ground, the soil is shallow. The soil is thin. So the soil is also good and warm. It's comfy, right? So it starts to grow quite fast. But then the growth stops. And they too are open to Satan snatching them away because they don't have any foundation. The root's not digging deep. It's not really connected to the water. 
the flowing stream of life. Third, we have the thorns. There may be good soil here, but there's too many other things in the way, and this strangles out your seed. It strangles out your life, as there's too many other things in the, getting in the way. I would say this is like a lot of our lives. We have so many things that are taking up our time. We're so distracted by other things. Maybe it's money, relationships, jobs, hobbies, sports, hobbies, relationship, money, jobs. I said that twice on purpose. We're so focused on other things. It's like that thorny, weedy soil. It strangles us. It chokes us out, and we can never live to our full potential that God plans for us. We need to take the weeds out. We need to have good soil. Only in the good soil can you live your life to the fullest as God intended. Only in the good soil can we truly be fruitful. Because only in the good soil are we going to grow strong. Are we going to grow tall? And it's when we grow strong to our full potential that you start putting off fruit. That you start putting off your own seeds. That you become the sower. Nothing is in, in the way of the growth in this matter. This is a life totally focused on Jesus, on God, and God's plan. We don't allow ourselves to be easily swayed by new things of the world because God comes first. We don't allow other things to take us away from God because we have a strong foundation. Our roots are dug deep in this good, clean soil, and it's because it's good, clean soil that we don't get blown away, we don't get tossed to and fro, because when the storm comes... We focus more on Christ. We focus more on the strength that we have in Him. The life that we have in Him. We need to run to God. But to run to God, we need to have God. To have Christ, we need to, to accept Christ. We need to profess with our mouth that He is our Lord and Savior. And we need to submit to Him fully. We need to clean out the weeds. This doesn't mean that we're not still on the lookout for Satan. Satan's still going to try and uproot those roots. He's still going to try and keep digging at them. He's going to try and cut them away. He's going to try and pull you out. He's going to do everything he can to get you away from God. But in the new year, in the new year you, we need to be on the lookout. We need to remember who we have placed our faith in. And the one we've placed our faith in is the one who created the heavens and the earth. The one who split the Red Sea to let his people through on dry ground and to rescue them. The one who led them into his victory. There's part of that Red Sea rules and it's rule number one. We're going to get into it on our Wednesday night Bible study, but it's this. God has you exactly where you are. Remember that. Because here's the thing, when we look at the Red Sea, we'll talk about this at the Bible study. But God had his people camped there. He knew Pharaoh's armies were coming. And he had his people camped. He could have sent them through dry ground 12 hours earlier or whatever, and the Pharaoh's army not even come into sight. He could have taken out the army miles beforehand. But he had a purpose in it all. We need to be looking for that dry ground. We need to be looking to God. And we need to make sure that our seed is planted in the good soil. The soil which has a good foundation in Christ. That soil is the one which is fruitful. Let me read to you from Matthew 13, verse 23. As for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. 
Only in the good soil are you able to live your life to the fullest. What do you need to receive in the new year? What do you need to reject? What do you need to accept? What do you need to redeem? All things should be to the glory of God. All things. You can't pick and choose, guys. You can't say, well, I'm going to keep this because this is for me. If it doesn't glorify God, you need to get rid of it. Do you love God? What does your life look like? As we end, I ask you this. Change your life. Don't be the same old you. Be the new you. Put on a new set of clothes. A set of clothes each and every single day that shows that you believe in Christ. Let me pray as the worship band comes up and we've got some extra time for fellowship today. Lord God, we thank you for the promises you give us that we serve a mighty, amazing God. Lord, we pray that as we look to the new year, a new year you, that we can look to a year which is characterized by a life living in the good soil, a life living in soil which has our roots planted deep and reaching down to the water which only you can provide, the living water.